Hi everyone, welcome to the new episode of Speedway, the Five One Speedway Show. Uh, my guest tonight, he is a Danish international. He's the first Dane on the show, so you know, I'm sure everyone will be looking forward to seeing this. You know, hearing about all the Danish stuff and everything we don't normally get to hear about. Um, he's also managed to ride this year in 2020. One of the few that's managed to do that, including he riding the long track this year and picking up the silver medal. You know, we can talk about that in this episode. This should be very, very interesting because we had uh, James Shane's in episode one talking about his experience of this year's long track. So this episode is, and I want to like to welcome to the show is Kenneth Hansen. Thank you very much. How are you keeping, Kenneth? You all good? Yeah, fairly busy, you know, um, trying to to organize things for for next year, hopefully with some more meetings and stuff, and uh, and trying to get around to all the people who who made uh, the twenty twenty season possible for me. So um, still fairly busy. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine the off-season, especially this year, is going to be uh, fairly busy with the success you've had, you know, this year, which is uh, very good to see, you know. Um, so we, we just, let's just touch on the old the 2020 season. Um, when did your season sort of start then? Was it when the long track started or did you manage to get any speedway in? Uh, we, uh, we actually had some practice early on in the year before Corona sort of shut down most of Europe. So, uh, but that was obviously on the street bikes and uh, and then I think my season really started in June uh, with Speedway as well as long track and uh, my first meeting on long track was the European final in Tayak so <laughs> that was uh, that was interesting you know and it was for many people I'm sure uh, for myself it was a little bit of a disaster I I, I went down there with some engines I shouldn't have but uh, when you don't have meetings and practices to test things, you have to start somewhere. And, and that's where it started for me. Um, and let's say it started on a low, it ended on a high. So, you know, hopefully we can, uh, can work from there in, uh, in 2021. Yeah, well, I mean, I think like most of the, the grass trackers and the long trackers, uh, they, meeting, their first meeting was the European final. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like you say, it started on a bit of a downer and you took some uh, wrong engines, um, which is obviously, I guess, what, what you learned from after that meeting was to take, obviously, better stuff onto the long track then. Well, uh, it's like, I think with most racers, they are all the time trying to improve. And sometimes you take one step back to take two forwards. And, and, and you know, it was just uh, a case of me having to start somewhere with, with uh, testing these things. And, uh, you know, the European final isn't ideal, but it was where this season started. So that was how it was. But uh, we, we learned a lot from that and we uh, we moved on from there and, and that's what you have to do if you want to improve as a racer. Yeah, 100%. I know what you're feeling because being an extra rider myself, you know, uh, start, if you start on a bad foot, you really want to get better and better. The only way is up. And obviously, by the end of the year, you managed to get back that silver medal, you know, in, in the long track. But before we get onto that, because there's only uh, it was a two-round series, if I remember rightly, this year, the long track, wasn't it? It was only two rounds? Yeah. So how did the first round go for you this year? Well, that was uh, that was a bit hectic, to be honest. We were racing in Mauritius, mm -hmm. uh, in France, and uh, I was in in Chiesel the night before racing Speedway League. So uh, I had to drive to Berlin to sleep a couple of hours on uh, on the radiators in the airport, and then straight on a plane to uh, and then swap planes along the way. Uh, then we got picked up in the airport 
got driven to the track, uh, jumped in our suits and went straight out to practice. Uh, myself and Max Dilger were traveling together. Uh, so after practice, uh, I went to the van and had a few hours sleep. And uh, I think I managed to on a sixth place. I was a bit unlucky in the first final. I snapped a throttle cable. Oh, no. Point and uh, when you look back at it now, you know, it's interesting to see where you would have been with, uh, without a broken cable, yeah. But uh, it's, uh, those things happen. And uh, obviously, the second round went a lot better. Uh, it's on my home track in Poland, which was helped. But uh, to score a, a full maximum in a Grand Prix, I think, you know, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, and I mean, when I, when I saw the result myself coming, I was very, very surprised to see that, uh, that yourself won it, obviously, because that was a big surprise, but also getting a maximum. I mean, you know, that's hard to do on speedway, let alone long track. And riding a long track bike on a speedway track, I'm sure it was very interesting for yourself more than anything. Yeah, I mean, and especially because the track was really grippy there. So the practice was quite interesting. Uh, I have to take my hat off for the track guys. And, and if I am, they worked really hard to, to make a good surface for us. And uh, we focused on making some good starts, uh, find something that was starting well. And, and we managed to find that. And um, yeah, well, I think the result talks for itself. You know, uh, we, show, we showed we can, uh, we can uh, compete with the best of the best. And hopefully next year I can... Uh, carry on uh, from there yeah and also with it being um, a longer series as well fingers crossed next year and um, you know never know you might be able to get the gold no no sort of problem whereas this year seems to be quite uh, a hectic and a rush around you know really towards the end of the year but um like still you know say so you got to take your hat off to yourself i bet you didn't expect to get the the silver medal this year no the goal was to stay in in top six top five top six you know and Everything from there on would really be a, uh, just a bonus. And, and obviously, to end up on the podium and actually on the second place, that was really cool. Um, and, and obviously, as a racer, you set yourself new goals. And um, my, my goal is to, to become world champion for sure, but uh, it might not happen next year or the year after, but that's what we're working towards. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you no longer have the desire to be the best in the sport you compete in, then I think it's time to, uh, to hang the levels up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you've not have you done grass track, long track for that long? Because obviously, a lot of people have known you from mainly the speedway side of it before. Obviously, you go into the grass track and the long track. No, I started last year. So last year, oh, okay. Year. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and I managed to get a third place in the European final. There, I actually, I won the main event with a maximum two, and then I <clears throat> sort of made a mistake in the final, which cost me some points and places. But uh, to be on the podium in the two biggest meetings in the sport. In my first two seasons, it obviously gives you a bit of confidence that you can, can do well. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's like you say, in only your second season, I mean, yeah, it's even more mind-blowing that you've done so well in such a short space of time on the long track. But, um, yeah, obviously, it's 2021, and obviously the, the, the goal, like you said, is probably the gold medal for next year. Um, is the European final one that you want to try and get your name on as well? I mean, I'm going to take as many meetings as possible. And if I can race in the European final and the semi-final and so on, I will. And if I qualify, then we'll take it from there and see how the final goes. Uh, I aim to race any meeting there is and, and do as well as possible. And, and my goal is uh, to learn from everywhere I go because only, only that way I can become a better racer. 
Yeah, yeah, 100%. The more you ride, and, and if you can ride against the best, it'll bring you on. Obviously, I, I don't need to tell you that, but you'd already know that. But it's like, yeah, yeah I, understand, I understand where you're coming from with everything. But um, moving on to the Speedway for this year, did you manage to get many meetings in on the Speedway? I know you said you rode in the Polish League this year. Um, how did the Polish League go for yourself? Well, uh, actually, it went pretty well. I ended up in the in the top 10 averages with CSO. The, the team itself didn't have such a good season, but I mean, on a personal note, I I was pleased. Uh, <clears throat> I did like five or six meetings, I think, and then uh, and had some pretty good scores uh, in the Swedish league with my team, Ross Pigane. We uh, we ended up second in the main league, and then obviously uh, when it came to the playoffs, there were some teams that strengthened up a bit, whereas our team decided that the team that was racing all along was carrying on. So. So the the quarterfinals uh, became the end, sta- end station for us uh, in there, but we had a good season. We had lots of fun on the on the road to the playoff, and uh, we showed that we could compete uh, with the best, although we didn't have the strongest team on paper. Yeah, and I mean, in, uh, in Denmark we ended up winning winning the league uh, with Slango. So you know, overall it's been a good year. I became Danish champion on long track. Uh, I was second in the the national, what do you call it, the regional championships yep. from uh, my, my part of Denmark on Speedway and the uh, club champion as well. So it's, well, it's been pretty good, to be honest. It sounds like it's been a, a really good year. You know, it sounds like you've been uh, so busy, like it's almost been a normal Speedway season, but just crammed into a few, small, a few, a few less months, really. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's good to hear that you managed to say win the Danish league and things like that. Um, and yeah, it, well, my mind's now blown that you've managed to get so many racing in, so much racing in, really. But um, yeah, so. But um, yeah, anyway, it was go, quite it's, hectic as well when it first started. Oh, I can imagine it was. Did you did you have to go over to Poland and then isolate for two weeks then, or did you? Were you able to just go straight? No, on I, I waited for that long so I could travel in and out, and then I just needed to have a, a corona test every week to show that we were not, uh, you know, ill, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, I'm a sensible person. If I was feeling ill, I wouldn't travel anywhere. So, but it's, uh, they, I think they handled it quite well, and they managed to get a full season on in Poland. Which, uh, during the circumstances, I think the we all should be quite happy that there was some racing uh, that we could all watch on TV as well. Yeah, and I mean, for us fans, unfortunately, of course, the British League never happened this year, which is unfortunate. Hopefully, fingers crossed, everything can work out for next year. But um, let's go back to talking about how you first got into Speedway, really, because uh, I'm sure everyone would love to know how you how you sort of managed to get on, on a bike and start turning sideways. Well, um, yeah, you have to... My, my big brother, Kurt Hansen, rode uh, professionally for Halifax, and he's quite oh, a bit okay. old, older than me. He was there in, uh, I think, 84 and 85, with, uh, where Kenny Carter was in the team, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was more or less born into the sport, because I was born in 87. And um, three years later, I started racing on a Pee Wee 50. And uh, to be honest, from there on, it just took off. Uh, I've raced ever since. Um, I have on my way through the ADCC and 50cc and so on, I have uh, I've managed to become Danish champion and, and junior world champion and so on. So uh, I've grown up in in the youth system here in Denmark on speedway, which I think is quite good. It uh, it's I don't think it's uh, it's anywhere else. 
which put in this fund. Unfortunately, we have not so much more riders uh, that are on the on the lower classes, uh, which is a shame. But um, I got two sons of myself, which are two and four, and they have sort of started a little bit. And um, mm. we're playing about in the garden and on the fields and on the tracks, and uh, they seem to enjoy it, and uh, and I do too. Well, that's good then. It seems like uh, it's in that it's going to be in the family for another generation, and so it seems with your with your, with your boys. I do see on uh, Instagram them in the little Kevlar suits and, and all that sort of thing, which is really cute to see and uh, and everything. And it's good to hear that they enjoy it. So you never know; it might keep you busy after you hang hang up your own Kevlars. Yeah, we will see. You know, obviously they have grown up watching me racing, so they I think they also have a little bit of a, a love for it. If one day they decide they want to do something else, that's fine by me. But um, if they want to go racing, I'll, I'll support them as well as I can and uh, teach them whatever I have learned over the years. And uh, I think it's a good sport and, and you meet great people along the way all over Europe and the world. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't change anything for, for, for my life. And uh, if, if they are going to go into that, I'm sure they're going to have a great time too. Yeah, I'm sure they have. And of course, with uh, your your input, I'm sure you can guide them along to something successful in the future. You never know. Fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. As long as they have fun, you know, that's the main thing for me. Whatever they do, they just need to have fun. Exactly. And I'm sure you're having just as much fun as what they are. Yeah, yeah. that's it. <laughs> that's good to hear. But um, like I said, you came through the system and of course... I, I've read about this, the, the system from Eric Gunderson. I'm sure he's been uh, on your shoulder from day one, sort of guiding you and helping you any way possible uh, through your career and everything. Um, but yeah, you managed to become, uh, what was it, ATCC um, World Junior Champion, you know, in 2003. You know, yeah. do you remember much about that meeting? Yes. Uh... I, I remember some of it, yeah. I lost my dad when I was nine years old and... Oh. Uh, and he, he always wanted one of his kids to become a world champion. So so that day with my mom as a, as a mechanic uh, was quite a special day. Um, we didn't have much money and I have a pretty shitty bikes, to be honest. We had good engines and stuff, but, but the rest were pretty, uh, well, secondhand to say the least. Mm. But to win something that big uh, is big for anybody. But for me, it was a really special feeling. Uh, I felt that... Uh, that we achieved something super big together. And um, yeah, obviously I wish my, my father could have been there, but uh, obviously he was not. But it gave me a, a good uh, confidence boost. And then, um, you know, I think it really kickstarted my career. I got some good sponsors on board and, and so on. So it was a big, uh, it was a big day. It was lots of fun. And, um, but again, it was just another speaker meeting, to be honest. Yeah, but still having you can still say you're world champion. That's the good yeah. thing about it. <laughs> that, that's it. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, uh, someone that's so young. So how old were you? Would have been when you were world champion? Then was you about 15, 16? 15 years, yeah. 15 years old. Oh, right. So then I can imagine. Then you jumped up to the the five hundred the following year. Was it? Yes. Yeah. So then did you go, did you have any sort of like league racing in the ATCC classes at all? Or did you just have yeah, individuals? We, we had, we had league racing. We have league racing from, we are three, four years old really. Oh, okay. Then. Yeah. And most of the guys I raced with was like Morten Rysagan, like Clint, Patrick Hugard and, and these guys, Ricky Kling, Simon Gustafsson and, 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 and Jurike Paulik. We all grew up together and raced uh, on ATCC and then up to the 500s, you know, and, and some, some went, like um, 
to England or Sweden or Poland earlier than others. But at the end, uh, we we all met again when we became uh, professionals, if you like. <laughs> and um, it's uh, it's it's fun to grow up with people like that, and they become your friends uh, as well as uh, competitors. Yeah, so it's. Um, I think it's uh, awesome the way Speedway is that you uh, one minute you are battling it out on the track, but next minute you are you're just hanging out in the bar having a drink afterwards. Yeah, very much so. It's such a unique sport. That's why I love it. You know, I've been a fan. I've been going to Speedway since I was two years old. So I've ridden it, watched it. Now I'm official down at Eastbourne. So you know, it's like I've I've gone through it all myself. But so yeah, I can understand understand that completely. And oh, me and you've got a mutual friend, and then Simon Gustafsson, so I used to mechanic for him down at Eastbourne. So yeah. <laughs> so but that's uh, yeah, and he, he was a good guy and everything else. But uh, so after obviously the 80cc and everything, you went out to the 500. So who was your first club you rode for then in the Danish league then? Well, uh, I'm more or less born and bred in Slanderup. Okay. Um, my family runs the club so <laughs> until a few years ago I have ridden there my entire life I had 25 seasons straight there Whoa. before I tried another club and uh, so that's where I spent most of my time it's where they gave me my debut on the Super League team uh, which eventually uh, also it, it developed me into become a, a better rider I rode together with a bunch of good guys Ronnie Peterson Kenneth Bierre, uh, Jesper B, Monberg. Um, there were many guys and they were good to learn from and it meant a lot for us um, as, as young guys coming up to get some knowledge. So, um, yeah, Slanderob is where I spent most of my career, to be honest. Wow, that's good then. So that, that understands where you get your uh, yellow and black colour scheme from then? Because uh, I see that a lot that's, on some of the photos and things like that. That came from, yeah. Now... That's yeah. uh, that's where that came from. I've obviously changed a little bit to my own black and red and white uh, to stand out a little and get my own uh, brand, if you like. Uh, but obviously, Slangov is very close to my heart still. Yeah, yeah, well, obviously, it's his hometown club. I can completely understand that, you know. Obviously, close to your heart and everything. Um, so, yeah, so you say so you've ridden there all your career and everything. So, what what was the reasons why you sort of moved away then, you said, for, for a couple of years then? Was that just because you wanted to change? Yeah, there were there were a few reasons, but mainly I needed some fresh air. Uh, you can understand that if you ride for a, a team that's where you grow up, uh, there's a lot of expectations, and if something doesn't go well, uh, people tend to come to the guys that are local to like both good and bad, give their opinions, which sometimes can be a bit of a weight on your shoulders. And and I felt that it was time for me to to lift that weight off my shoulders a little bit. So where did you move to then after that then? I uh, I went to uh, to Grinstead and okay. I have been in Esberg and now I'm racing in Holstead. I did this year and I will next year too. Uh, I raced there with Nicky Pedersen and Rasmus Jensen and René Bach and, and a bunch of other guys, which is uh, more or less also people I've uh, grown up with. Uh, you will know Nicky uh, yeah. a lot from Eastbourne, I guess. Yeah. He spent a few years there. Uh, he's a character, but he's got a lot to offer on, uh, on the knowledge thing, and he shares a lot. You know, uh, some people have maybe a little bit of a wrong uh, idea about him, but he's actually a, a really great guy. Mm. I can imagine he's a guy of, of huge knowledge, you know, and he can just filter it down to everybody in the team, you know. And obviously, everybody knows him as yeah. a hard as a hard as a hard rider. But I'm sure, like I say, he's, he's Nicky on the track, and then there's Nicky off the track. I can imagine. So you get the best of both worlds. 
Yeah, and I mean, some people love him, some people hate him, some people love to hate him, you know, but you can't take it away from him. He's become a world champion three times. Uh, you don't do that if you are not a good rider. He's a tough rider too, but he's also a, a great rider. Oh, yeah, 100%. I take my hat off to him, especially doing it back-to-back whenever it was uh, his, his second and third world championship. You know, that, that's something that's yeah. hard to do in the modern day. But, uh, of course, he's a, he's a legend at uh, Holstead, if I remember right. He's one of the ones who's been there for what seems like forever, isn't, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I think he's been there for the last 15 years at least. Mm. Yeah, because I've managed to visit Holstead once and he was there and everything. And that's when the that, when the World Cup, I think it was 2015, when the World Cup was in Voyens, the final, the race-off, managed to go down there and watch the Holstead meet and, you know, and open my eyes to watch even Danish League because obviously it's completely with the British League. So, you know, any league to watch for the first time is yeah, pretty yeah. cool to watch. So... But uh, yeah, so obviously, again, you're at Holstead uh, for next year, which is obviously good for the Holstead fans to hear if I get any Danish followers. I don't know if I do or not, but it'd be good if they did um, and everything. But uh, just looking at um, sort of like your, your, your time in England, you know, uh, looking at what I've got written down here, please correct me if I am wrong, you know, because I do find some things, but whether it's right or not, I don't know. <laughs> uh, your first club was with Wolverhampton, where you spent a couple of seasons. You know, how was your time at Wolverhampton? Actually, I started out at Workington uh, oh, right, okay. <laughs> in 2007. Uh, I had a team placed there and uh, they, they took me over. I was over in England in uh, 2006 to do a few meetings at Wolverhampton, at Workington and a few other places. Uh, and Workington offered me a contract and I, I, I took that and um, I had a good time there. Unfortunately, I had a big crash uh, down at Birmingham and I broke my scaphoid. Oh, okay. And uh, for some reason, they didn't have time to wait for me to come back. So they sacked me and brought in Charles Bonehewer, which obviously was a big guy up there, but it was a little shit on me, a new young guy that came into the team. Mm. Uh, So uh, a month after, once my hand was good again, or sort of good, uh, it never really healed. So uh, then uh, Wolverhampton offered me a contract and I went there took Chris Van Straden and Pete Adams. And I had a really good time there in 2007, scored some pretty good points. And um, they opened some doors for me. Uh, I started to race more in Poland and in Swedish League and stuff. So um, that was pretty good. Then in 2008, I had a little bit of a tougher time. I went into the main body of the team. uh, And for some reason, I didn't manage to really get it to work and it ended out me that I got sacked uh, towards the end of the season mm-hmm. um, they brought in Ludwig Lindgren um, and that was fair enough I didn't perform so that's name of the game but obviously you can understand that for a rider that's not so old it's uh, it's a hard one to take and then uh, Birmingham offered me a contract for the reminder of that season and I nearly done a deal with uh, with them there were just a few issues with clashes of dates, which mm. meant that I couldn't really do it. And then it turned out that I said no to the contract. And then uh, Graham Dury became really angry and he said a lot of bad stuff about me. But um, at the end of the day, I never signed any paperwork. Mm. And then he presented me as a writer before I had. So I think it's a fault of him. But it, uh, it, it gave my name a little bit of a bad uh, reputation, to be honest. And it took a bit of time to repair that. Uh, but there's always two sides of stories, and, and sometimes people need to listen to 
to young guys too, because it's not always the the, the promoters that are right. But uh, for uh, that was that uh, that was it. And then the next year, I didn't sign a contract in England because uh, I didn't I hadn't had the best of times in England. To be honest, it was uh, wasn't really cool to get sacked two times. No, in three years. No. Uh, Klaus Wissing rode for Peterborough in 2009 and he got an injury. And then uh, Peterborough called the replacement for uh, for four weeks, I think it was, mm-hmm. which we said yes to because there were still early doors. It was, I think, May, April or May, early in the season. Uh, and, and I could do with some meetings early on before the season started over here. And um, yeah, well, I think I scored not under 10 points in my first uh, six meetings. So they wanted me to stay and I, I, I made the deal permanent and I had a brilliant time at, at uh, Peterborough. I scored uh, two or three full maximums in that year in the best league. And uh, I, I came to a track that suited my style as a racer better. Um, and I had lots of fun. Uh, the, the, obviously, when you're winning, things are more fun. Uh, mm-hmm. The club uh, did uh, great. They took good care of me. They set things up uh, perfectly, which uh, in previous years I had felt that uh, could be better where I was before, you know, and Peterborough really, really did well there. And um, then actually after that season, the, um, I decided to uh, to start to study again uh, okay. on the side of Speedway. So I... I went back to school and uh, first of all, I I took a, I am not sure what you call it in England, but it, uh, you have school, then you have three years on top of school and I took them three years. Okay, yeah. And after, and after them three years, I went to university and studied and um, actually last year I finished my, uh, my university degree in management and leadership. That's good. Uh, so that's why. For a long time, I didn't ride in England, but then again in 2013, I thought I would give it a, another go, and I, I contacted a few clubs to get some open meetings. Eastbourne, mm-hmm. one of them. I went yeah. after a meeting, uh, went to Berwick, I was at Coventry, uh, and at Coventry, I, I had a really good time. Uh, I scored some good points in that, um, that meeting they had there, they put an answer something. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they actually offered me a contract for the next year and I signed there. So in 2014, I was back full-time in England with Coventry. A good year. We, uh, we finished second in the league. Um, yeah. We lost to Poole, which was a close, uh, close, uh, close meeting. So they had a good side. We had a good side, but they had a little bit more luck when it came to it. And from, uh, from Coventry, I went to, back to Workington, actually. Mm where I spent two seasons before I had a, my last season at all in England was at uh, Peterborough. Oh, yeah. uh, we, we fell out a little bit at Peterborough uh, that time. And um, yeah, that uh, is probably the last I will race as a full-time rider in England. Well, I mean, that's great to hear. Obviously, you run or go through your clubs. It saves me talking about it, <laughs> you know. But um, it's, I mean, it's, shame, it's a shame to hear that you, you might not come back as a, as a full-time rider. But I'm sure if anyone called you up as a replacement, maybe to do uh, a stint, maybe about six, seven meetings, maybe that might, if it fits in your schedule, it might might suit you in the future, maybe. Yeah, it might. But it, <clears throat> this, the thing is, we also run a pretty big uh, family business here in Denmark uh, called ah, Trasport. Uh, we we hire out steel plates and we got many lorries and we got the departments all over Denmark and um, 
as it is now, I'm very, very, very pressed on time for racing and working. So, you know, I can't really afford to be any busier than I am now. So um, I, I don't think I, I can manage to push uh, England back into to my schedule anymore. And I, I'm really happy with the way things are with, the, with Poland, Sweden and uh, my long track. Mm-hmm. And then they're doing some Danish meetings here and there, you know, uh, it suits it well. Uh, and, and it's also nice to have a break from your, your work, you know, to, to go and do some racing sometimes because that is what I love most to do, obviously. Yeah. And obviously like anybody, if you have a job and everything, you want to have a bit of fun in the, in the evening or, or the afternoon, you know, in your case, it's the speedway or the long track, but uh, I'm sure with the, with the, with the long track and the grass track commitments, it, it basically cancels out, like you say, the English league, the British league really. So that sort of makes up for it in a way I can imagine. Yeah. And actually also the Polish league, because most of the grass track and long track is on the weekends. Yeah. So, yeah, it's true. So it, it, it's, it's going to be some Swedish racing more and some Danish, uh, Danish league. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, that's how it's going to work. And then we'll, we'll see, you know, I, I'm never going to shut any doors because you never know what's going to happen. But as things are now, it, it, it would be near enough impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Which is completely understandable. And it's great that you can, you can come out and say that sort of thing. Cause then obviously it makes people listen and understand why you don't sort of come back to the, to the British league and things like that. So, you know, um, hopefully it answers a few people's questions. Why is Kenneth Hansen not coming back to the UK? Just answer that one for you. So, but um, looking at some, some other stuff that you've, you've done, you obviously, you, as I said, you've been in Poland, you know, um, your first club was in 2006, if that's correct. Um, with this is going to be interesting how to pronounce this. It's uh, Miss Conic, something like that. Miss Conic, is it called something like that? Miss Conic, yeah, that's, that's true. It. Yeah, that's, that's it. true. That's it. So, did um, was that the fact because you had such a good time, uh, you're doing really well in Denmark that they came along and said, "Oh, we'll give you a try." Yeah, I, I managed to become fifth in the Danish Junior Championship in 2005, and and for some reason they had an agent there, if you like, somebody that were watching the meeting. Okay. And then they offered me a contract and uh, I was young and I didn't really know where Miskos was until I, I looked it up on a map and it was in Hungary. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> we had quite a way to, uh, to, uh, to go. That was near enough 2,000 kilometers for every meeting. But um, <laughs> we were young and we were wanting to race. So it was uh, what it was. And I, I did good and people uh, started to notice what I was doing. So, um, and that's how it is when you're young. You need to, um, to show what you can do. Yeah, and I'm sure they, they managed to pay you well for that amount of travel because a lot of traveling to do, <laughs> you yeah. know. So, but um, yeah, and how was that season? Was that a good first year, good learning curve? Yeah, I think it, it went okay. You know, I, I scored some good points and uh, and had had some fun along the way. We uh, you always learn, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a learning curve, uh, but I scored good points. And next year, I I went up to to sign a contract in the first division with Lublin. Um, so uh, I must have done quite a okay, I think. Uh, mm. That's good, because obviously then, again, you're progressing, going up with Lublin, actually riding in Poland rather than Hungary. So that's always a good, that's a good start. Yeah. So I can imagine uh, tra- travelling and things like that was a lot easier when you went to Lublin. Well, I was still uh, quite a way away, you know, and uh, that's the side of speed where I don't really enjoy travelling these uh, between 10 to 20 hours to meetings and then race and then back again, you know, it's a, it's a less uh, joyful than think people think, you know, it, it's not yeah. a rock star life in any way. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, but, but 
no, you, you, it's, it's part of it. And then when you can fly in and out to most things and you've got the mechanics driving here and there, it's a little easier. But uh, for most part of my career, I've always wanted to be a part of the boys and travel with them because I think it makes the team stronger. Yeah, yeah, I can totally understand that. And plus it gives them an extra drive yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so after, after Lublin, you went on to uh, Gorzhov. So I can imagine, was that in the extra league or was that first division still? That, that was extra league. I rode together there with Thomas Gollob and oh. Rune Holter and Peter Carlson and, and these boys. So year by year, things got better and better and, uh, and, and they should. So they should, you mm. know. <laughs> yeah. But um, obviously it's also tough. It's really tough to, I was a young guy. I hadn't a father with me. I didn't have a manager to tell me what to do and when to do it and, and stuff. And I was struggling a little bit with my engines compared to what they had down there. So um, it was really, really hard, but I've learned a lot from it, you know. And I mean, should my boys ever go racing, you know, I think I, I know a lot more what to do for them than what anybody knew for me, you know. Yeah, I can I can I can agree with that completely, and I mean, um, like I say, Gorzhov riding with Thomas Golov. I mean, how was that? I mean, that must have been mind blowing to even be in the same pits stadium and then ride with him. You know, I imagine that was a huge eye opener. Well, to be honest, uh, I didn't really think about it. I just went there to race my bikes, and I didn't really pay much attention to to other riders. I was there were three other riders on the track with me and I needed to try and beat them all. Mm. That was always my, uh, my view on things. Um, obviously, Thomas didn't speak great English anyway, so he wasn't uh, that easy to be in a team with, which mm. was a little bit uh, sad. I know he's a legend in the sport and he's, uh, he's done great for the Polish uh, fans, riders and so on, but for me, it was better to race with Peter Carlson, for example. He was great with English and, and he was really good at sharing his knowledge, you know. And, and later on, I rode with uh, Greg Hancock and, and so on. And, and those boys really were an eye-opener. They, uh, they had time for the young people and, and so on, yeah. Yeah, because in those sort of early years in the project, I can imagine you need quite a lot of guidance, more, more than anything, um, to understanding sort of like what's what really I can imagine I mean I've never been to Poland so yeah. I, I'm only guessing <laughs> so I can't I mean so if I sound like an idiot yeah, I apologize <laughs> so but um it's just like it's like learning any trade really it mm -hmm. takes time it's a, it's very rarely that somebody does what Smarslik have done and, and just uh, hits the road running mm -hmm. he's had the right gear the right guys around him he's got the right amount of talent you know so He's hardly put a foot wrong, and, and it's very rarely you see this. Uh, just if you take a look at Darcy Ward, for example, you know, yeah. he was a great racer, but off the track, he was uh, he was having a hard time, it seemed. Mm. Yeah, it's it's like anything. When, once the doors are shut and everything away from the track, there's who knows what's really going on, you know. And uh, fortunately, you've got a good good family and a good team around you to keep you going, which is always good to see. And the results are proving it even nowadays, you know, which is which is great. You know, um, but keep going. We'll keep looking at your, your your Polish career for a little bit longer. Um, then you went on to uh, was it Kuzno in in what was it? it must have been like the lower yeah, leagues. Yeah. Is it first division, second division sort of club was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I went there uh, after Gorshov because obviously Gorshov were. I think I raced a couple of meetings for them that year, three meetings maybe. Uh, but I wanted to race all the time, so I decided to drop a league and then race more often because uh, I needed to make a living out of it and I needed to develop as a rider, so I needed to be on the team. 
every Sunday. And if I wasn't, then I wasn't earning any money and I wasn't getting any better. So, yeah. so I, I had a, a few good years there, which was really fun. I scored a lot of points. Uh, I, I, I got some good friends. Um, and I think it's, I think some of the people these days, they go, they sign the contract in these top leagues, but they don't get any meetings. And it's a big mistake. It's a big mistake. I, I did it myself. And uh, I think it's, a, it's more important to get racing all the time than it is to get overly paid. Because one day you will have the, the level to compete in the top leagues all the time, but it takes time to build up that. Yeah, and I can, I can understand that completely. Because I can imagine if you say, for example, Gorzhov want you for sort of thing when you're young and everything, you think, oh, yeah, Gorzhov, top league, you know, that sort of thing. Maybe that's the, the sort of thing. And then, like you say, you only get two or three meetings a year and you think, I've not really learned anything. And I've just turned up when they needed me type of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's a big issue because obviously they're flashing big money for you. And when you're a young guy, when somebody is flashing these big uh, contracts, you know, you look at that rather than the than the bigger picture. And I think, you know, had I had somebody to guide me, I wouldn't have gone to Gosov, but obviously I hadn't. So I went for the money side of things, which was a mistake. Mm. Uh, but I've learned from that. And, and you know, I still learn uh, to the day. But um, for me, it matters to race, to stay sharp, to develop as a rider. And then it doesn't matter that you are maybe earning a little bit less a meeting as long as you race. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine that it's just, like I said, just race, race, race. You know, the more racing, the better. You know, any rider would tell you that yeah. sort of thing. But um, after a couple a couple of years at uh, Krishno, you went to uh, Latvia to ride for Dog Appeals, you know, in the uh, in the lower league and everything. Um, I imagine that was quite an eye-opener going to Latvia. Yeah, well, I went there for a GP qualifier and I did really well. Uh, this was the must have been 2011 or something like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did really well. And then they offered me a good contract to race in the first division. I thought, well, why not? And mm-hmm. um, we, we did it. And obviously, Daugapils is a good club. It's got a big stadium and it's well supported. Uh, so it was, uh, it, was, it was nice to go there. Apart from the long travel, it was really nice. A well-prepared tra- uh, racetrack and so on. So mm-hmm. that was a, another good year for me, to be honest. Um, and I, 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 again, I met some good people there. Mm. And it's, it's nice to the day now that you have contacts so so many different places. Yeah, I, c- I can imagine, you know, uh, just looking at the clubs you've ridden for and everything, you've got, you've got a person there, you've got a person there, you've got a person here sort of thing, you know, so you can just contact someone and they'll, they'll be able to help you out straight away. But um, looking at Dog Appeals, um, I see on the TV and everything, and it looks like it's quite a, quite a long, long track and, uh, and everything. Was that sort of track that sort of suited you? Yeah, it was a little slicker than I preferred, but it, it was good. It was really good. Um, good. It was fast. It was fast, and I, obviously I like big and fast tracks. Yeah, and of course, then if it suits you, then you're going to be happy and, and, and everything. So, But uh, after that, you unfortunately only had, only had one season there, and then you went on to, uh, to Krakow for, for a few years. You know, um, yeah. how, how was your time there then? I can imagine it was a, an even more exciting time. We had a really good time in Krakow. It's a nice town and it's easy to travel to. I was flying from England to, to Krakow. And um, yeah, we had, I think we were second in the league that year. And uh, 
yeah, we had some great times there. Unfortunately, the club had some financial issues, which wasn't so great. So I lost quite a bit of money over over a few seasons, um, which is also why I'm a lot more cautious now when I sign contracts. I don't race and race and race if people owe me money. Then I, uh, I'm holding back a little more um, because I think in my career in total, I have lost uh, something that equals to a hundred thousand pounds. Wow, well, that's a lot of money. And uh, and that's even you know I know. Some people uh, have lost a lot more, but for me, a hundred thousand pounds that I had actually earned, I had raced for those money, and I never get paid. Um, it's horrible, mm. and that, and that's the 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 bad side of speedway, you know. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, I I I read and hear stories from from Poland anyway, um, you know, stuff like that. But I I hear it's all more positive nowadays, and riders are a lot better looked after. I mean, in the last episode of this, I had uh, Jeremy Doncaster, and he touched on a few few things with uh, with the early days of the Polish league, you know, all the wild trips he was having and things like that. So um, yeah, and I mean, <laughs> I can you can only imagine back then it was completely different to what it is now, but but. Um, I, I, I get the impression that now you're you're very well looked after at uh, Zhezhov and and uh, very happy there. Yeah, it's a, it's a great club, you know. Uh, it's a big and nice stadium. They're very professional. Uh, they got a good setup there, and I enjoy my time there. Actually, they got a a good mix of uh, of young riders and experienced riders, um, and they know how to deal with riders. Obviously, they've been a top league club for many many years, so mm. it's. Um, it's a place I feel uh, really welcome and uh, the track suits me. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Was it nothing to do with the fact that you had the long track meeting there as well later in the year that you went there? <laughs> uh, obviously, when they contacted me, uh, I didn't think too long about it, obviously, because they had a long track meeting there. Did you go, did you go after the meeting on the, on the long track, but I just have a quick practice afterwards, you know, make sure you get it right. <laughs> <laughs> I never did that. The first practice I had on the on that track with the long track bike was with at the Grand Prix. Oh, we right, had okay. uh, talked about it <laughs> and uh, and so on, but it never really worked out because you are always so busy and the club mm. has a limited time uh, to, to practice on and so on. So it would have been great. I, I don't think it would have made a huge difference to be honest, but uh, it could have been great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things you think, ah, wait, well, he's gone there just for the long track, really. That's what it is. No, <laughs> no. But as long as, long, long, as long as you're happy, mate, that's the main thing, isn't it? So, but um, before you went to, you know, anyone must touch on this, um, you went to Ostrov in 2018. You know, um, again, was that was that a good time, good club to ride for? Yeah, it was okay. It was okay. Uh, I did, well, I did a few meetings for them um, as a backup rider kind of thing. Um it was. It wasn't something special, to be honest. It was okay. Oh, okay, fair enough. That's fair enough. Be as open as honest as you want. It. That's cool. <laughs> you know, when it comes to these sort of things. Um, as I'm going through, my, I've got my list of notes here. I'm just reeling it off. So you know, feel free to talk about anything you want to talk about. Bring up anything you want to talk about. Um, say we want to look at your Swedish clubs and um, and everything. And uh, yeah, I mean, the information I managed to find, it wasn't that easy to find who you've ridden for. Obviously, I know you've ridden for Ross Vigana for the last couple of seasons because I remember seeing you practice there in 2017 just before you signed for him. That's how I sort of noticed yourself there because yeah. I was there in, I was there in the pits when you first went there for a practice. I remember that one. Yeah. You, look, you look, myself, I must say, you look really smooth and really good. So that's not, I'm not saying because you you're on the show now, but I've generally mean that you looked really good then. <laughs> so, but... Um, yeah, you that, may- was, uh, that was actually my first uh, skit there. 
Oh, right, okay. So we obviously did enjoy it because you end up signing for them. So it must be a track that you, that you, that you like now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a special track. It's a very special track. It's not the usual Swedish track, and that's quite uh, why it's quite nice to ride there because it's a really good home track. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, I've seen it on the TV, and obviously, again, I said I've seen it live. I've never seen the Elite Syrian there. I've, saw, I've seen the uh, it was Division One boys ride around there, and I've seen an ATCC meeting on the infield. So, one thing I'm missing is an Elite yeah. Syrian, really. But the track and everything looks great to ride. It looks like a fun track to ride, and uh, and everything. I, I say, are you going to be there for 2021, or is that a bit of a hush hush at the moment? Uh, I'm not, it's not a secret. I'm not going to stand with them again. No, I, uh, I, I really like uh, to race there. And, uh, Peter, the team manager, is my great friend. But uh, I've opted for a little bit shorter travel next year in Sweden, if I can say so. Oh, okay, fair enough. I mean, like I said, say what you want to say. I'm, I don't want to get, don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's the thing with it. So, but um, looking at your early Swedish career, um, you rode in. I'm assuming it was a division. Was it division one? You rode your first ride with team. Uh, I'm gonna say this wrong, aren't I? Bicarb, Bicarb, something like that. Is it called? It's Eskilstuna. Eskilstuna. All oh, right, team that's team easy for me to say. <laughs> so was that the first division then? Yeah, was the the first season the the Elsvenskan, yeah. Yeah, and how did that go for your first sort of your first sort of toe into the Swedish league then? It was actually Nikolai Klint who rode for them that year, and he called me because they had an injury, and he wanted me <clears throat> to come and ride with them, and uh, and I did, and I think my first meeting I scored seventeen out of eighteen points, and uh, I ended up number three on the averages this year, and um, obviously which was. A, a good step in my career and it helped me get a good contract next year in, uh, in Molida. Mm-hmm. So I had a good time there. Unfortunately, they never paid me for my meetings there. So that was a little bit of a shit time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I say, you went on to, to, to Melilla. Um, again, like I say, I apologize. My information on, on, on your Swedish career is very, very limited. I, I've got it from when you, then all of a sudden you went to Vagana and then you went to Vasana and then you went to Vagana. So I don't know the, if there's a bit, if there's bits in between, please, Feel free to say who you rode for because I don't want to miss anyone out. Mm-hmm. So after, so you rode for Dakarna after you rode, rode at Eskilstuna. Um, how did that sort of go then? That, that, that didn't uh, last very long. I did uh, one, two meetings for them and then they, I, uh, I was part of a swap deal. So I went to Nyköping uh, instead in the Elsvenskan again, where I stayed for, I think, five seasons, maybe four. I don't know. And I had a really good time there. And... Uh, I think we went into the playoffs in more or less all the seasons I was there and ended up in the semifinals. And uh, I was never out of top 10 on the averages, so I, I had a really good time there. And then uh, much of the guys there ended up, or some of the guys there ended up being some of my really good friends, which I'm still seeing today. So that probably the, the Swedish club that I have closest to my heart is, uh, that would be them and then uh, uh, Valsane. Mm. Yeah, Valsana. I mean, again, um, I've only seen things on TV from Valsana, and again, the track looks great, and the stadium looks looks great as well. So um, I can imagine it was good times for yourself. Again, probably a track that that's, that suited you as well, down to the ground. Oh man, that's my one of my favourite tracks around. <laughs> uh, that track is uh, is very good. It's not that big, but it's a very very good race track, and I've uh, yeah, I've had some really great times there. It's uh, if I could take that track with me, 
Yeah, I would <laughs> any day. It's a fantastic place. It's a, I think when I'm going to buy a summer house someday, I'd like to buy one up there. Yeah, and become a regular visitor to go watch and then maybe have a skip. Yeah. You know, when they're always looking, get the bikes out and go around it. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Yeah, so at least we know what your dream track is now. And uh, I'm sure if you've got some land near you, you build it in five minutes flat if you could. That would be handy. We are yeah. already looking at the at land to build a little track for my boys. Ah, see, there you go. Secret practice track. That's what it is. Not just for you, not just for boys, probably just for yourself. <laughs> but, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, why not? I mean, get on those junior bikes and they're, they're the best times. As everyone keeps telling me that uh, the best times were the junior track days and uh, where there was no money, just fun, fun, fun. Yeah, yeah, but when I race with the boys, you know, we are having a little bit of a argy-bargy because I don't want to let them win, you know, so we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine that teaching while they're young to, to win and appreciate winning and things like that, which is all good, it's all good. So, but um, uh, yeah, yeah. after looking at some of your Swedish clubs, and obviously you're saying you had a fantastic time at Valsana, and obviously recent years have been Ross Pagana. Um, moving on to looking at some of your sort of like your individual other honours um, and things like that. Um, when I was looking and looking into for this interview and everything, I noticed that you managed to get yourself a, a reserve spot in the, the Danish Grand Prix. Was the Danish Grand Prix you got a reserve spot? Yeah. 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 2009 in Vorens. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that that was a nice experience. Yeah, that was a quite strange experience because in heat one, Andreas Jonsson, he ran through the tapes and I should have been in, but he somehow managed to get back into the race. Uh, that's something that stands very clear to my mind, but uh, it was obviously a nice experience. Yeah, okay. So he, he robbed you of your right, you know, the referee again, referees getting involved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I said to him when I came to Ruspikana, you little fucker, but uh, <laughs> with a blink in my eye, obviously. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. You robbed me of a Grand Prix ride <laughs> and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, and again, looking at um, your other runners, you managed to get, uh, was it Nike Coping Sportsman of the Year as well in 2010? I mean, that's pretty good going. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that... Um, yeah, it's, say a, that. it's a quite big... It's a quite big council, you know, so to become the sportsman of the year in a, in Sweden as well, you know, as a Danish person was quite a big thing. So uh, I was really, um, I was really, I am really proud about that still to the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, up there with the silver medal, that's what it is really. You know, it's next to each other, I can imagine, on the amount of peace. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, have you been nominated for any more sp- sportsman of the year awards or is that just the only one? Um, I was sportsman of the year in my uh, in my Danish council or whatever we call it community when I yeah. was the uh, world champion, yeah. And then I have been uh, I've been I've had a few other individual honors. I think last year I got a prize too for becoming third in the European Championship. I can't really remember what they called it, but uh, something similar. And then mm. then. Uh, I also won that big indoor meeting in uh, in Herning. They did the, the biggest indoor meeting that was ever made in, in Herning where the six, 7,000 spectators, I won that in front of uh, Nicky Pedersen and, and Thomas Gollop and Kenneth Biera and, and some other guys. So, uh, after that, I, I got a bit of uh, attention too in the Danish papers and so on. Hmm. 
I can imagine them, of course, still up and coming and everything to beat Nicky Pedersen again in Denmark. You know, it's no mean, no mean feat. And um, what was that? Was that the track? I think I remember rightly. Wasn't it quite a, like a long track and really, really short sort of corners? Was that was that a different indoor I'm thinking of? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing. I think I remember. Oh, my memory is. I remember seeing it on Facebook and um, seeing it, like looking at it, thinking, "Well, the crowd is huge, but the track just looks so, so, so thin yeah. and, and everything." But, um, but obviously, again, again, you you must have had a, a, a whale of a time. Was, was that over? Was that over a weekend? Then that sort of thing. Or was that just like a one-off event? Two days, yeah. Over two days. Over two days. Yeah, and, and was it was it a maximum for yourself, or did you just drop a couple points and won the final? Oh, I dropped some points. I was third on the first day, and then I won the second day. I dropped one or two points. Uh, so, um, but it was uh, that was quite a a big achievement for a young lad. Yeah, I can imagine. Again, probably a star-studded field as well, wasn't it? Well, I was meant to be a reserve rider, but somebody pulled out, and then I managed to win it. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Always watch out for the reserve, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, have there been any more sort of indoor meetings in Denmark, or is that like the only one that's sort of really happened? The only one I know of, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we over here we had things like um, obviously obviously Telford on the ice, and yeah. then obviously we had the, the Brighton Bonanza, the indoor there, you know, which again is close to me, which is uh, which was very very good to watch and everything, and uh, very hair raising. You know, <laughs> just riding around the equivalent size of a junior track. You know, there, there were good times and everything. But um, have you um, ever thought about dabbling onto a bit of ice speedway at all? Uh, nah, no, no, I haven't. <laughs> no, no, not, 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 not the crazy stuff. I meant sort of like the speedway sort of, sort of stuff. I mean, I have done that. I have done it on speedway bikes, but not, mm-hmm. not the real ice speedway doesn't, uh, doesn't attract my attention. No, they're just crazy to do that, really, aren't they? That's what it is, it's crazy people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they think speed rides are crazy. Yeah, yeah, I, I would leave and leave that to them as well. I would very much so. But um, yeah, and I'm just looking at say other things that you've won. Obviously, you won the silver helmet at, uh, at Red Car. It was another it was another meet, another, another individual mm-hmm. one which popped up and everything. Um, what can you remember that sort of meeting? Was it a good meeting for yourself before the final? Yeah, yeah, it was okay. It was, um, I, I think I just scraped through to the semifinals there and then uh, I won my semifinal and then I won the final, you know. So that was, uh, it's always fun when you come from behind, to be honest. Yeah, uh, yeah. Beats being getting out the gate and just sitting around the inside line or whatever and having everyone else chasing you, you know, and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, um, obviously, again, we touched on earlier, again, like I say, the Danish Long Track Championship, you managed to win last year and everything. Um, was, did that meeting go ahead this year, or was that one of the meetings that got cancelled? No, I, it's it's uh, it was on this year too, so um, I, I've won that two-year running. Oh, two years running. All oh, right. Oh, that's good then. So, obviously, again, look for the hat-trick next year. Well, I'm, I'm aiming to do as well as I can in every meeting I, I go for. I don't really... I look too much into to to those sort of things. People are saying, "Oh, you should win this and that," but in speedway mm. as well as anything else, everything can happen. Mm. Very, very much so. Very much so. One one wrong thing can uh, just ruin one meeting, and that's it, really. You know. But um, yeah. yeah, and I mean, other other team ones I've got on my list here. You managed to um, come second in the Premier League fours with uh, with Workington in 2016. Um, yeah. And everything, just missing out on the first place, if I remember right, because I looked at the results the other night and everything. But uh, at Peterborough, I'm sure that was um, a, f- a fun day for yourself. 
yeah, I've always enjoyed racing there, and I have had good meetings, very, very good meetings there. Um, obviously, we lost out, I think, with one point or something, which was a little shame, but uh, it's a great event, and it's, it's always been brilliant to race there, and then these uh, Premier League fours and pairs and so on, I, I've enjoyed it, and I miss racing in the Premier League. I think it was great fun, you know, and, and I mean, if, if I could, I would still go back and race at Workington, because that's also a track I really, really liked. Yeah, and obviously it's such a shame that uh, Derwent Park for Speedway anyway is no more as it stands, you know. Um, but I'm sure you're down as a, as a sort of a club legend in your own way at the club and everything. And I hear so many nice things about the place. Yeah, it's uh, obviously in, in England, it's it's my favourite place to go for sure. I like Peterborough too, but Workington has a special place in my heart. I like the people up there a lot. You know, the promotion was great and, and they are what I call my friends, you know. So uh, I, I rate the club and the, and, the, and the track and so on and the people there a lot. Uh, um, fantastic place. And then I'm so sad they are no longer racing speedway up there. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's just so sad that uh, the clubs in England seem to be sometimes dropping by the wayside. I mean, only recently we've seen that um, uh, Right House has, has gone. You know, it's another another club, yeah. you know. Um uh, do you have any good memories from from Rye House at all that you can talk about? Pardon? Do you have any sort of like good good sort of um, memories at all of riding at sort of like Rye House and other places like that? No, not no. really. No, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> not my favourite track at all. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. But um, yeah, and I mean, I'm, um, I'm more of a big track racer, you know. It was a good good place, nice place. Uh, so was Lakeside, but. Um, if you ask me, they are better as parking places than they are at race <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. The tight technical tracks aren't your favourites, as, as we've now gathered, so that, which is fair enough. But um, I do notice sometimes time, time when, I, when, I, when I see you on, on your Instagram and everything that you um, tend to collect um, old engines and leathers and bits and pieces that are in your workshop. Because haven't you got a pair of Hans Nielsen's leathers, remember, Riley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got Hans Nielsen's leathers from when he was world champion, and I got Eric Gunderson's too. Oh, very nice. Much like yourself, I've noticed. Yeah, I do have a few few bits and pieces of my my, my own. Yes, it's uh, not not as, not as impressive as Eric's or Hans's leathers, I must admit. But I've got quite a few uh, Eastbourne things myself. Yeah, yeah. So, so how did you manage to come across those sort of things then? Oh, I just have a lot, big love for the history of our sport, so... If I come across something like that or a bike or something which is a little bit special and unique, I tend to see if I can get my hands on it for a reasonable price and then I will. I don't, I don't like to pay uh, too much for things, you know. So if, if the price is right, I will, I will get it and then I will put it to show so people can see it and mm -hmm. we can talk about it and stuff because I think it deserves that. Oh, 100%. If you can preserve a little bit of history to be your own self, you know, 100%. Um, I mean, I know my own personal collection. Um, I've got my one of my nicest things I've got is a, is a Haringey uh, 1950s race jacket. Um, which is which yeah. is very which is very very rare to find and everything, but I've got that and I'm, that's one of the things I'm going to keep hold of for a very very long long time in my own collection. But um, so yeah, and obviously yeah. and obviously you've got you've got the the old engines and things like that that I, I see on I've seen on your Instagram and things like that. Again, is that going to be sort of like a, a display thing maybe in the future for yourself? Definitely, it's the plan that I can display these bikes. You know, I got a a 1921 Rudge complete bike and then. And along with a, a few other things, uh, some some very special engines, and 
the plan is definitely to put them on show. And I got a, a PPT engine, which Jan Pedersen was number three in the world on. Uh -huh. uh, okay. It was a, a special engine, which was also an Ivan major project, you know. So I've got a few nice things that uh, one day when I find the right place, they'll definitely come on show. Mm, so you can have a Kenneth Hansen museum, not just for his own career, but for his for the history of Speedway as well. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. think it's, uh, it deserves it. And, uh, and it, uh, it's also good for the younger people of our sport to learn and to see what, what, uh, what they got now and what it actually was. You know, the, the youth of now is really lucky with some good gear. Some uh, yeah. of the stuff that people have wrote in the past is, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, impressive that they wrote that. Have you ridden anything like a two-valve Jarrah or Wesleyke or anything like that from the back in the day? I've rode a Jap. Oh, okay. How, how did you find that? Um, hard to handle. Uh, <laughs> well, obviously, they're working in lower revs, but they they are very, um, let's say, they, they get a good traction, yeah? A good mm. traction, constant traction. Yeah, and of course... It, I can I'm, understand why... Uh... Yeah, sorry? As I say, because of course, when you see the, the see the pictures of them and everything with the uh, the deep dirt they had back then and everything, you see the bikes trying to launch them forward and everything. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of cool that you managed to to have a go yourself, and then you can do a compare and contrast. Really, obviously, it's completely different to what I we have now. It's important to try and compare things, and it's a lot lot different to what we have now. But when as a, a thing I've been thinking about a lot is that. Much of the British tracks, when you look at them, Eastbourne, uh, Lakeside, uh, Rye House, and so on, the old Bellevue, they were very small tracks. I think they would suit the, the upright bikes a lot more than our modern-day laydowns because, in my eyes, it seems like modern-day bikes, they suit more for a, a track like Bellevue or Peterborough or a bigger sort of track, you know. Mm. Yeah, so maybe... Uh, in an ideal world, maybe if you if you could compare like contrast, you could always have like an upright just for a small track, and then have the lay down, like you say, for the bigger tracks. You know, maybe that might be well, something. Some... Yeah, yeah. I, could... I don't know what would be faster, but I think it could be fun to have a look at when uh, when Reading closed their track. Peter knows Peter Johnson still had the track record, yeah, from '89. Yeah, and and the same with Oxford. Hans Nielsen still got the the track record there from '87 or '88, something like that, and that's not been broken on the yeah. on the modern day laydown, which is which is quite mind boggling, really, to some people, even myself and everything, because he was only riding a, a Godden at the time, you know, and things like that. Yeah. So it's yeah. you know, it proves that they were they were better. I think better engines, really, in the long run. I think so. I think you can get too much power too, and you can't really if you can't uh, put it to the ground, then it doesn't matter how much power it has. Yeah, yeah, and like you say, with most of the English tracks being technical tracks more than the big tracks like Poland or even in Sweden and things like that, you know, you know the, these engines do seem to be sort of too powerful for the tracks. And I mean, I, I imagine to watch the, the championship at Eastbourne last year, and the, the racing was fantastic, don't get me wrong, the racing was good, but you could see how much quicker the boys were and how much, how much wider they're having to go. And of course, as you know, Eastbourne's a narrow sort of track and everything. And of course, if not careful, you run out of room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but it's good to, to to talk to you, Kenneth. Anyway, especially connecting as a collector, you know, it's rare to get another rider who likes the old days of speedway and things like that. So, but um, um, right, I'm we're coming to the end of this of this uh, chat we're having, and I hope you've in, hope you've enjoyed it. It's been a bit different, you know, and uh, and and things like that. But um, is there anything that you you wish to say to to the to the English fans or your fans in general before we before we sign off? Uh, 
no, I think I just uh, I just hope everybody is keeping well uh, during these COVID nineteen times, and uh, I hope that uh, once the the tracks are opening again, that uh, that you will all support it uh, very well, so we can uh, keep our clubs alive around the world. And uh, then I'm uh, looking forward to see you all trackside. I echo those thoughts with trying to keep as many tracks open across the world as possible because uh, we all need tracks. We all need Speedway. We need Speedway. <laughs> More than anything else. Yeah, exactly. But um, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Kenneth. It's been a great insight into into your career and everything. And obviously, the, obviously this year, getting insight into that and everything, it's great to hear it and all that. And um, fingers crossed for 2021 that we can we can start in in april or march uh whichever whichever comes first but um i'd like to say to everyone thank you for watching this video again uh this video is available on youtube and spotify uh please follow us follow the facebook page like us share us send it anywhere you want to because we like getting people to give us feedback and uh and hear what you have to say about the show and everything and if there's anything you want to see different please get in touch but kenneth hansen thank you for being on the 5-1 show thank you